0: Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is from North Eugene, Oregon, Mr. Ula La. Mister, welcome to the show. Thanks
1: for having me. You know, we connected on this. I have to say it's February or March of 2020.
0: Yeah, this is a couple I- years coming. It's, it's two and a half <laughs> years coming, yeah. We were gonna do this interview pre-COVID and Uh, and then I I could just, even through text, we were emailing and I could sense even through text, your heartbreak that what we're going to talk about today is that you are a local wrestling, uh, impresario is the word that you like to use a promoter is what a lot of people would call it. And so we're going to talk about the work that you do with your organization called pow pro wrestling. And, uh, but you've been a character in Eugene for a long time. I've been aware of you for a long time. I think just because you have such a unique name, uh, Mr. la And we're going to talk about that a little bit too. Uh, but I reached out to you and I was like, hey, I like what you're doing with your wrestling. You've been honored and recognized now by like the Eugene Weekly and some other things where you're getting uh, attention and the turnout's been good at these things. And it's this is really what I like to do is stories of the underrepresented. So I reached out to you, like you said, back in about March of 2020 or you know, before we were planning on doing the interview in March. And it just... You know the world shut down and it it was not much to talk about other than the world shutting down and so that wasn't good we decided to put it off and here we are thank you so much for being here
1: well i was on the weekly does that mean does that mean i'm still underrepresented i think that might disqualify me i
0: you know i I don't know how to answer that without getting without getting ads from the weekly i do think that that still uh constitutes as underrepresented because it's an under it's a it's a popular uh paper locally but you know, I I still think that what you do is unique, and and has a has kind of a a different uh, shtick going on. So I think that that's a wor- it's a worthy thing. Plus, it's a broad podcast. But okay. any- anyway, so let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Pow Pro Wrestling. When did this start? And tell me about what it you know what's what it's all about.
1: Well, really, the germ of it is being a wrestling fan from childhood, um, and then just through happenstance, I somebody i went to high school with reached out to me and was like hey i'm you know i'm doing backstage work for this wrestling company up in portland called doa and you know we'd like to maybe see if you want to join the fold so i started out doing just some production stuff camera work and then i became a manager which is like just the nefarious person you see at ringside interfering in matches and such and then I got more into uh, producing a YouTube show for the promotion and making programs and writing storylines and yada, yada, yada. So um, after a few years of that, I actually took a break from wrestling for three years, got back into it. And then um, I always, when I started doing wrestling, I always told myself, you know, I'll do this for five years. I'll kind of see all the the pitfalls and the mistakes that the other promoters make and learn from them. And then I'll start my own show. So I got back into it about 2018. And then a year later, uh, my partner and I decided to open the doors for POW. And our first show was in October 2019. We did four shows. And of course, COVID hit. And then we were back January. Of twenty twenty two and we ran thirteen shows wow. in ten months in twenty twenty two. Wow. Taking a long time there a little bit, I guess.
0: Yeah, where where are the shows usually where do they usually take place? Um well, we've been jumping
1: around. We started at Matt Court and that was basically because our other venue at Yuba, Gerlinger, was being renovated. And so they kinda gave us a sweetheart deal on that. And then um we went back to Gerlinger, and then uh, for the summer, the whole Olympic trial, olympic World Championships track, Hubble, Hullabaloo, whatever you call it, uh, took over the UFO so they're like, don't, trust me, you don't want to be here, so we did shows at Blair Alley, and those really popped off. I bet. And uh, now for the wintertime, we're going to be at World Pies in downtown Eugene, because it's indoors, they have all sorts of lighting, there's a cool spotlight, you can put above the meeting, the ceilings are high enough, kids can come, which was a big ding on Blair Alley, is that kids can't come. So there was a lot of, I mean, I was buying thumbtacks once at the dollar store. Thumbtacks that I would later be chokeslammed into that evening. And this little girl came up to me. She's like, Mr. Oogala, yeah, yeah. Can you please do another show that I can come to? And that just gets you, you know? Sure. And wrestling's for the kids, as violent and as weird and as body as it can get. You know, wrestling's for the kids, so I'm happy that we're going to be able to do shows for the kids again, and that's happening on Saturday, January 14th.
0: Yeah, at World at World Pies. So where where would people go? Uh, We'll talk about this a bunch throughout this, but people, there's a website, right? Like it's it's uh, a powprowrestling.com.
1: Powprowrestling.com, I'll link you there, or any of the social medias we have: one Facebook, Instagram, Twitter um
0: you can even just look it up pal pro wrestling
1: eugene in google and the event link is usually the first thing that pops up
0: i saw that event i don't know it's just because i started kind of sniffing around recently trying to do a little research for this episode but i saw that that event kind of just dropped is that just like recently announced kind of deal yeah yeah, i announced it yesterday okay yeah so i I, i got the notification so so it worked but, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's, I mean, from everything that I've seen, it looks like these events are really awesome and that people are really enjoying them. Let's talk, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about, you said, I mean, I've followed you on social media for quite a while and, and uh it's, I mean, you are a big, 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 you, you say you're a wrestling fan. That's an understatement. It's like you were a really, really big fan of it and, and, and a uh, historian of it all. I know that in the eighties with Hulk Hogan, Everybody watched wrestling and figure skating. Skating. I don't know why that was, but that's it's so that's at least my experience. It was really popular for everybody. But well, they're kind of similar
1: when you think about it, because they are a. I mean, wrestling. I wouldn't call it pre-planned. You don't. You don't like map out every single move in a match. But you know, they're sports, but they're also performances. So right. You know, well, one's has- more. Yeah, you know, one's more masculine. I guess you would say. Wrestling violence is masculine and then feminine. Sure. Peter skating, dance, dance. Well, Um, and you
0: got your start up in Portland, and so Tanya Harding, you know, she was kind of like a professional wrestler in a weird way. No, (laughs) she was. Yeah, she actually
1: did a wrestling show in Portland. Right. But there was something with the athletic commission, Olympic athletic commission. She was supposed to be a manager, but she couldn't be ringside, so they just like sat her in a chair in the aisle. Oh my god. Yeah. What a fall.
0: What a yeah. fall from grace, you know, for for Tanya Harding.
1: Yeah, I feel bad for her. You know, yeah. she she had a rough she had a rough start.
0: And she was pretty young, you know, and all that stuff went down. Yeah. Uh, so so now, what are some of the popular wrestlers uh, with Pow Pro Pro, pro Wrestling?
1: Uh, our most popular is definitely Funny Bone, the Demigod of Death. He's kind of a muscular, demonic. Drops a lot of f bombs. Very violent. He's the gentleman who chokeslammed me and said thumbtacks. Wow. Uh, there's Vinny Massaro, who is definitely the most hated wrestler. I am Vinny's official representative, and he was wrestling Funny Bone, and that's how I got into my troubles with Funny Bone. Uh, there's the Hammer Brothers. They're kind of a new tag team on the scene. They have like a construction crew type gimmick. Uh, the Blanchard Brothers, who they've been, Jeremy's been wrestling since 1998. Wow. So they're definite veterans. Um yeah, I mean, there's a whole plethora of them. It's hard to just remember them all off the top sure. of the head. But, you know, we have a solid crew of 25 people, I would say, that we rotate through. And then every show you want to bring somebody in, like a popular independent name or right. just to kind of sizzle it up, you know, kind of like how you would see a comedy show booked, you know. And then he's supported by locals. Right. Very similar uh, promotional. Uh, schematic there,
0: yeah. So in the smaller venues like uh, Blair Alley uh, and World Pies, that that's an intimate you know thing. How many people you know can that usually get? I mean, is there kind of a capacity limit and something like that?
1: That's, I mean, Matt Court. I mean, it was it was really awesome being in Matt Court. But The thing with Matt Court is you can have four hundred people in there and it still looks empty. Right. You know. Right. So I think our crowds have ranged from.
0: On the low end, one seventy to three fifty. Wow. That's a good show in Eugene though, especially in a small venue like that. That probably is a lot of fun. Yeah, Eugene is
1: Eugene can be tough. Yeah. Eugene can be tough. Sometimes it's just hard to like get the chisel and just get people off of their couch. You mm-hmm.
0: know? Right. Well it's because just of that greenery, you know. But uh you know, and I've talked to a lot of people that were going to the events uh, at Gerlinger—that that was it, what it was called—and they, Girl, yeah, yeah, and they said that they were a lot of fun. Uh, I, you know, because I work in a barber shop, and people were like, dude, we're going to go check out the wrestling events, and it, it seems pretty cool. Uh, cool. So, so, January fourteenth uh, is where it's going to be at uh, World Pies, and once again, go to uh, powprowrestling.com dot and you know, you can find out more information for that. And like we said, there's going to be links in and on Facebook and on your personal page, Mr. Ooh, And also pow pro wrestling has a Facebook page and all the different socials that you can follow. So yeah, that's pretty
1: cool. Yeah. Pretty, pretty
0: cool. So you are, uh, kind of the organizer of all of this, but like you had said, you've, you've gotten in the ring. I mean, it's kind of more of a, uh, like a Vince McMahon situation almost. Right. I don't want to compare anybody to that guy, but, but right. So you're not really a wrestler, but you've definitely had to, had to get out there, huh?
1: Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, Bobby the Brain Heenan, if you remember him, you know, about every six months, Hulk Hogan would get his hands on him and then he'd have the neck brace. (laughs) I've had a neck brace before, but it was covered with sequins.
0: Yeah. Well, that's Um, cool. So, yeah,
1: you have to to be ready to take a little damage.
0: Yeah. I love that you're doing something that you just enjoy. Uh, So, I think that anybody that's watching this can see behind you, you've got some Elvis. Uh, memorabilia. You're a humongous Elvis aficionado. Tell me about, tell me off the top of your head, the coolest Elvis Elvis experience that you've ever had.
1: Coolest Elvis experience I've ever had?
0: On the spot, yeah.
1: Mm. Uh, probably touring his uh, penthouse in Vegas, and I talked to the little old lady who was hosting it. She let me climb into the bathtub, because <laughs> it, it was a giant bathtub. Like, if you sat at the bottom of it, you would you would drown It'd be like under three feet of water. So wow. that was cool. Yeah. Um, I've been to Graceland several times. Um, I don't know. I, there'd be a lot of little things, you know, I yeah. guess just little experiences, little zings of Elvis is everywhere. I mean, when I go into like, especially like a thrift shop or something, I always try and find the Elvis. Right. You know, it's just kind of a fun little game. You can play when you're out and about. But it's also just kind of like the law of attraction. I think you know. Sure, we have whatever whatever you're you're putting out, it'll come back to you. And like putting out Elvis is a good way to prove that it's not untrue because there it is. You know.
0: Right. We have an Elvis poster in the barber shop. We bought the barber shop from a previous owner, and it was on the wall. And there's an Elvis poster and a Martin Luther King Jr. poster. And I think it's it's against any type of ethics to take down a martin luther king poster so they're so symmetrical that that we we've left them up i'm not a huge i'm a I, i've always felt like there's beatles people and elvis people i'm probably more of a sure. beatles person but i definitely respect the fandom i haven't seen the new movie i'm sure it's probably
1: oh that's awesome is it pretty good sure. it looks pretty cool even if you don't care about elvis it's just like uh a- Just the way it's edited is insane. It is. People have said that it's like the world's longest movie trailer, and that's kind of true. Wow. I've probably seen it. I'd say ten times now. The first time I did not know what to think of it, just because. I mean, if you if I were to pan the camera to this way, you would just see a entire wall of Elvis books. Right. Have a hundred Elvis books. So you know they're not. They're not. Creating a website, they're telling a story, they're painting a portrait, so things are switched around, people are combined, okay. broad strokes, you know. So, the first time you watch it, you're just kind of picking this all apart in your mind, and then you know, subsequent viewings, you can kind of relax and just appreciate it for what it
0: is. So, it's really like fictionalized, like, there's a lot of
1: I would, I would, they definitely captured the essence of the story perfectly. The thing with Elvis is I mean he died when he was forty two, but I mean you could do a twenty hour miniseries about his life and still, you know, cut stuff
0: out right right there's a lot yeah. there for sure My life was super dramatic yeah yeah i'll have to check it out so now one of the things you've lived in eugene for for your whole life or for the majority of your life um, we
1: just returned we lived in florence for eight years and i ran the movie theater that was over there
0: oh cool but you know growing or living in eugene for a long time i've like i said i've known about you for a while one of the things that you're probably the most famous for or most notorious for however you want to word it is for you were uh, a guest on the jerry springer show and, I was, yeah. and so i wanted to play a clip from it and then we'll talk about it a little bit uh i mean that show was an absolute train wreck back in the day but what a cool experience so i want to hear about it so i'm going to play a little clip from it and then we'll talk about it on the other side
1: okay i know is that, seriously, is that really your name? It is my legal name, Jerry. <laughs> what are you, you know nothing. It was my baptism into the life What's of What's your first name? Uh, I prefer for the men to call me mister and for the women to call me ooh la la. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that is amazing. First of all, tell me about how that came to be and, and that experience.
1: It was an accident, really. The the two women that I was on there with, Trisha and Courtney, were friends um, from high school. This was a couple years out of high school. Two thousand May, May of two thousand is when we shot it, and then they aired it July of two thousand. And they just really wanted to go on Jerry Springer, and they knew that I was kind of a ham and kind of you know gutsy, I guess, or mostly a ham. And so they're like, "Hey, you want to go on Jerry Springer?" They asked that. At a party offhand, and I was like, sure, whatever. And then the next week, we I live in this big, big house, as many of us have when you're in your early 20s, with just a bunch of friends. So right. every weekend, it's just a slew, a cavalcade, a kaleidoscope of people. And the next week, their roommate Frank came over, he's like, hey man, you're gonna be on Jerry Springer. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, they called today, they want you guys, and I was like, huh? And so I don't remember how this was arranged. But yeah, they called me that night. And that was a Friday. We were in um, we were in Chicago the next Wednesday. Wow.
0: what a yeah. yeah. And so the whole thing is fictionalized, right? That I mean, first of all, you Well, know, I don't know.
1: Absolutely. When you go on, they make you sign this waiver saying that if they find out you're lying, uh, you have to pay for the show essentially $80,000 is what it costs to produce an episode. Wow. But that's just, they just don't want you to. Can I cuss on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just don't want you to fuck up. You know, they want to have a show that they can use. So, um, you know, he signed a waiver, and I went into the uh, producer's um, office, and it was filled with like independent wrestling videos and porn. And then the night before, they walk you, they kind of give you a tour of the studio. And I look, and there's Bill Dundee, who's a super famous uh, Memphis wrestler, and his son Jamie, who is also a wrestler, been on WWF back in the day, blah, blah, blah. Well, turns out that Jamie was one of the producers of the show. So he was recruiting people. In this episode, Jamie was supposedly pimping out his. Girlfriend's fourteen-year-old daughter, which is why when you see on the, the, on the um, ticker, yeah, the ticker there, I'm a fourteen-year-old prostitute because the lead segment of that episode is them, and then we were the follow-up, and then there was another, a third uh, group of kids that I think they just kind of had to have them, but they their thing got cut, I guess because you know they found us to be compelling, so it was just the two of us. But I mean, I'm not gonna say they're all absolutely fictionalized that. And, you know, there's got to be some that aren't people that call it their stories or whatever, but
0: um, ours was certainly embellished. Right. Was this before the, the, because the show was wild and and towards the end of the run of the Jerry Springer show, it just became like a slugfest, like people fighting constantly. Was this before? Oh yeah, they told
1: you that you could, if you fought twice, uh,
0: they would send you home on a Greyhound bus. Oh, wow. Later on, that became their whole thing. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, you know, they got desperate. This was like the year after the peak. I think ninety-nine was the year that they were number one and they beat Oprah. And this was like this was like the this was, you know, it started to go down a little bit and then like two years after this they changed the set and changed the music to that bass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, got a little yeah. more industrial.
0: Yeah. More um, you know,
1: crunch rock kinda. Yeah.
0: Um but yeah, uh, yeah. What an experience! I mean, and it makes for a, a fun YouTube clip. Now you you know years later, 20, 20 whatever years later. So you know anybody that's interested can go watch the full clip, uh, on your YouTube channel. Uh, and the Mister Oolala. that is your actual legal name, right? And it is. Yeah, and so that changed has, it
1: right out of high school.
0: Yeah, that has gotten you a lot of attention, I'm sure. And uh, I love how so in the in the. I mean, it's pretty obvious for anybody that that heard that or watched that clip that there was an accent. What what happened to that character? Just kind of you just kind of decided that it was. Oh, well, I.
1: That's still the thing I do at on wrestling shows. Okay.
0: And, yeah. yeah. So you run with the the.
1: He's still he's still he's still here. <laughs> he's still here, you <laughs> be on
0: Yeah. It, 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 it There's a lot of uh, Andy Kaufman in it, you know, and I think. Right. That's, yeah.
1: There's a. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's incredible! Yeah, yeah. It, for anyone listening, he just put up a Andy Kaufman toy. And I, have an Andy or, Kaufman I shouldn't say toy; I should And ac- a
1: picture of Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler from Letterman. So yeah.
0: yeah. I like so it. I mean, all of it. You know, the the international, the accent, the the wrestling. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of influence from Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman is was such an under um, you know misunderstood, brilliant performer. Uh, I like
1: Elvis, you know, Andy and I are both wrestling fans and big Elvis
0: fans. So. Yeah, yeah. So any, yeah. I mean, the movie
1: the movie,
0: the movie Man on the Moon is just an incredible movie. I love that movie. Yeah, uh, I don't like it so much. No,
1: no, I don't. It just to me, it just seems like it's like a clothesline of stuff that he did. Sure. Like, it doesn't really. I mean, maybe because they didn't have these answers you don't really know what his motivation is, you know, like yeah. who was he really beneath all the, the
0: stunts, you know? Well, and somebody that's a true fan, that's, to be honest, that's kind of how I was then made familiar with Andy Kaufman. My brother showed me that movie. And so for somebody that it was to make it accessible for a wider audience, I could see that that someone that's an aficionado is going to be like, nah, I don't know. I don't know. And that would make sense, you know, but. I mean, I don't hate it.
1: No. I mean, I I, I watch it. And Jim Carrey's great. You know, he has the same birthday as Andy Kaufman. Wow. He was there in person, not the same day, but, you know, January 17th is their birthday. And um he was at the performance a year after Andy died where Bob Zamuda was Tony Clifton that they have at the end of the movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he approached Bob Zamuda after after the performance and said, I'm gonna play Andy Kaufman someday.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah. And and I've watched the uh documentary that came out, uh Jim and Andy, I think is what it's called. Yeah and, and so it you know, about how Andy Kaufman's parents, uh, you know, Jim Jim Carey would actually he's a, he was a method actor in that, in that movie. And he would actually portray Andy Kaufman or, you know, and his parents were like, this is uncanny. It's like having my son back, you know, you know, for a minute. So that was kind of neat. That was an interesting movie. Jim Carrey is another incredible talent that is tormented. He seems like he's, you know, is an interesting, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I saw a clip of him today and he was like, yeah, I think I'm quitting. I don't think I really, I have enough, you know, I have enough, attention i have enough money i have enough i don't know he seemed to be pretty at peace with it so i mean yeah, more power sure from, so many people just i mean I, I suppose if you like to work sure but this just seems like a lot of people in the public eye hold on just to hold on because if they let go of it they feel like they're losing something
0: right yeah it's uh, kind
1: of know you know, they can take away you know
0: yeah, him, know. him, and if his last movie is Sonic 2, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, that's like, that just reminds me of uh, like a quarterback coming out of retirement for just one more go, you know, you know, and it's just like, Ugh. but I know that he doesn't really want to do movies that have any strong
1: violence in them anymore.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. So now, you know. speaking of movies, you have actually been involved in film, uh, and you also, uh, you know, wrote, directed, and I'm sure you were in the movie at some point, uh, a film in 2009 called Earth Day. I uh, did, yeah.
1: It came out the almost the same exact time as Melvin. Okay. We, so, and I had a double bill of Melvin and Earth Day at the U of o, uh, like, I want to say June of 2009.
0: So, for anybody so unfamiliar, Melvin was a movie that my brother was in. My brother and I uh, had years and years ago talked about. Uh, uh, you and your name came up you know he's like i know this guy his name is mr Ulala. and uh, my brother worked at hollywood video and then uh made a lot of films with a local director named henry weintraub which is Five Three One productions and he made a bunch of movies i was in uh i think i might have been in the darkest corner of paradise one of the movies but uh and so there was a a, a really interesting scene going on a lot of really actually i think talented uh performers and I think that, you know, I haven't seen Earth Day. I do want to watch it uh, just because I, I, growing up in Eugene, I think that there'd be some interesting stuff. Now, there was a lot of tough reactions years later. We'll talk about that in a second, but tell me about kind of the premise of Earth Day and what it was all about.
1: Uh, the premise of Earth Day is a group of eco a year after their leader died tragically, a group of eco-crusaders find themselves being attacked by a mysterious assailant, um, and so the sister of the uh, leader, Pixie, her twin sister, Priscilla, hooks up with this gentleman named Hassan who has left his uh, his family's terrorist sect in Pakistan to embrace, because he was expelled, because he has embraced the forbidden art of women's hair care. And so they, together, they try to solve the mystery and avoid the cops. And... Um, it sounds are very complicated for a slasher movie. It probably is. <laughs> when did you write this? I wrote it. Uh, I finished the script December two thousand seven, and then we shot it the following summer, and then it came out on Earth Day two thousand nine.
0: Wow! And so that yeah. was that was something that you've always, probably always wanted to do, right? I mean, you're just like, I want to make a film. I want to write a screenplay, right? I mean, it was just. Yeah,
1: and I did it all cold, like I hadn't. Me and myself and most of the crew, no prior experience, but wow. you know we finished pull off a a feature length film. It's hundred and one minutes. Wow! In retrospect, it should probably be like eighty
0: five. Sure, and that's I mean that's you know independent yeah. films. That's kind of the way it is. But it, I mean it's listed on IMBD. You took it. You were very you know professional about the way that you put it out and everything. I know that. Uh, but then yeah, I a
1: distribution deal, if you could call it that. Um, the thing with that is that I really. I think I made it at like the exact wrong time because if it would have been a few years earlier, the DVD thing I got my distribution deal right when the DVD thing was like dying off, you know? So a few years earlier, the DVD thing would have been more, you know, it could have been bought by Hollywood video or whatever. A few years later I could have just distributed it and marketed it myself and you know, booked it at theater, independent theaters around Oregon and Washington or whatever, and just kind of done it the guerrilla way. So, the rollout of it was really neither here nor there. I was exhausted by the time the movie uh, was done. I herniated disc, a disc in my neck because I was just so stressed out about it. And that set off a a pill addiction that lasted for a few years. So, it was an ordeal. I'm not saying I would never make another movie again because, and probably due to something we'll talk about in a second. Um, you know, I would maybe like to do it again at some at some point. I've written four other screenplays. Oh wow! I think a couple of them at least are viable. I mean, that really is my favorite kind of writing.
0: Yeah, I've tried writing
1: novels before, but there's something about the, you know, the screenplay is a blueprint. You know, sure. in which you know you you. you make the blueprint and somebody else decides what color the wallpaper is and what kind of carpet it has and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, So I'm not completely writing off that, but if I do it, I'd have to have enough money so that I don't, you know, nearly die in the process.
0: (laughs) Right. You know, I actually, uh, during the, covid quarantine i started writing a screenplay and i thought that the dialogue would be a lot harder it was actually so much fun i'm, I'm about halfway done with it I, I need to pick it back up but it was so much fun to just to this write because i every I, i'm writing a fictionalized version of some some incidents that happened when i was in my early 20s with my best friend and my and a girl that i dated in my 20s and just their kind of odd relationship uh and me and just it was it's really interesting but uh uh, man, the dialogue was so much fun to write. You know, just, it, I mean, I'm only, like I said, halfway done, but I, I I'm definitely... Usually
1: I'm usually guilty of writing too much dialogue.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, it, it's, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the main complaint on the set.
0: <laughs> the, actor, the actors were like, oh my gosh, you know.
1: Well, then you just figure out stuff like, oh, if, if somebody fucks up their line, you just pause for a second. You know, the, the first weekend, we're like, oh, just pause and then like the, the person with the script can read in the line and then they pick it up and then you just, you know, edit
0: around it. Right. Yeah. I'm you sure know. you learns a lot. Now, years later, you know, this, like we said, this, the movie earth Day came out in 2009 years later, there was a ton of controversy about it and talk about what happened with that or how that came to be and you know, and what that's been like.
1: Well, I wouldn't say a ton. A ton, sure. It it did get review bombed on Letterboxd, which was kind of a bad day for me. But, I mean, essentially the issue is that in the film, the character of Hassan, who is Pakistani, is played by Adrian, who is a white man, because we didn't know any Pakistani or Middle Eastern people. So we, unfortunately, you know, painted him brown. Which is very regrettable. This is also the you know the, the same time as Tropic Thunder. Um, like I said, I think uh, before we went on the air, you know, um, nobody. I didn't hear anything about that element of the film un- until recently. Really, um, of course, in retrospect, it was a pretty awful decision. Sure. You know, um, the point of the character being a pacifist, being a hairdresser was that I was trying to defy the stereotype of uh, Middle Eastern people being violent terrorists because he's a gentle hairdresser. But, I mean, it's not really my, in retrospect, I realize it's not really my stereotype to play around with, you know what I mean? The same way that, you know, you shouldn't use racial slurs, uh, um, the N word, whatever, you know, that's not my word to use. If, If a black person wants to use it, absolutely by all means, because that's their, that's their stereotype to defy,
2: yeah. you know?
1: And of course I would never do that again, but I think the big, a lot of create the big mistake a lot of creative, creative people make is just, it's okay to admit you made a mistake and, you know, just don't be an asshole about it, you know? Yeah. like
0: Yeah. And some circles, it, it's never- it, it, it was a different time and, you know, Yeah. Some circles, it's never going to be enough, you know, because, I mean, obviously, blackface is never a good idea. But like you said, I mean, there's movies that have done it. Obviously, maybe you know Robert Downey Jr. and Tropic Thunder, like you have mentioned, Uh, I'm sure that there's...
1: Yeah, it had a resurgence in the aughts. Um, I think 30 Rock, the blackface episodes of 30 Rock were around that same time. And again, you know, I was surrounded by these white liberal people from Eugene my all you know all my friends
0: and and nobody nobody cried foul until later on and yeah i mean the world the, there's a lot of positive change that's that's happening and it's uh sometimes it's at the expense of some creators to make a point and some i don't know mm-hmm. Virtue you know i don't want to i don't i mean I, it's not my decision on 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 the backlash or whatever but you know that's, yeah. that's got to be really difficult because the thing is is that this is something that you even if it's uh afterthought something in in your past it's something that you'd probably want to be like I want to share it now that there's different forms of of, uh, consuming movies and films and stuff it's like something now in good conscience you probably can't that you can't be like I want to push this movie
1: yeah the, the link is now unlisted on YouTube so if somebody that worked on the movie wants to share it with a friend or whatever you know it's available but I'm not going to you know I just I'm just past the point of wanting to promote it or feeling like that's a good thing to perpetuate that uh, that stereotype, you know, because I don't want somebody of, who's a Muslim or a Middle Eastern descent to come across that and, you know, have to deal with those feelings. And, you know, it's, that's more important than a movie, even Absolutely. though I did put a lot of work into it. And yes, it is a bummer, but also, you know, I also made that mistake. So, you know what I mean? A lot of people make mistakes. They cheat on their husband, they cheat on their wife, and then they wish that it could all be back like it used to. But, you know, life doesn't work that way. And you have to just accept that and grow, hopefully, grow from it. And, um, you know,
0: well, I'm a believer in a redemption story, and I'm a believer in a second chapter, or third, or fourth, or fifth chapter. That I think that, that we we learn from mistakes. We we don't learn from doing things right, and and so and it's not it's, it hasn't defined you. It defines that project, in my opinion. You know that that, that project is now in the past. But but it's and cool. bummer
1: the, real- the of it is that like, <laughs> you know, Hassan doesn't even really need to be in that movie. Yeah. It could just be a, a slasher movie with hippies, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: And so that's another, I was like, well, okay. That probably could have been, you know, we didn't have sensitivity readers in 2009. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, um, you know, with another edit or another rewrite, he probably could have been taken
0: out. Sure. Wow. Well, well I'm interested though. You know, I'm I'm going to check it out at least. Uh, just to watch the, the production quality and all that stuff, I, I probably was at Melvin. It's funny because I was probably at that premiere, but I didn't. I didn't watch Earth Day. I got to be honest. Uh, okay. So now, uh, yeah. So January fourteenth, uh, World Pies. You had mentioned that the wrestling is all ages, but you also mentioned that there's some strong language and there's obviously violence. What age uh, group would you we think is-
1: language most, Yeah. It's, you know, it's trying to language really at the kids' show. It'll be PG to PG thirteen.
0: Okay, so it is definitely you know you'd you'd think like a, a middle school to high school age kid would be fine. Like, but anything. Oh, like an eight, but we have
1: seven, eight year olds
0: come. Yeah, they yeah. love wrestling. If,
1: if they've seen wrestling, to me, I'm not a parent, but for me personally, like if a kid wants, like if a kid wants to watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Then it's probably okay for them to watch it because they want to watch it. They're not scared by it, they're not apprehensive about it. Right. They're curious.
0: Yeah. Right? Well, and I think people that are gonna take their family are gonna know what to expect. And it's know. like
1: a live action comic book. Yeah. You know, You wrestle the matches and then you get to go meet Funny Bone or the super unbelievable Jaden over at the merch stand and get to see your heroes right up in the flesh, which is really cool. You know, you don't really get that at a at a WWE show
0: yeah yeah well mr Ulala, it's an honor to finally meet you i'm glad that we've you were able to do this uh january 14th world pies is it something i mean i'm sure that the tickets are probably more expensive at the door so if people are wanting to go it's a good thing to probably buy the tickets ahead uh you know but they're still affordable tickets even if you do it the day of Absolutely, kids ga
1: tickets are ten dollars yeah so
0: also, i i think that's a pretty fun event uh you know and i mean i'm i'm really it's stoked to hear somebody following their dreams i know how much you love wrestling and this is i've seen some videos uh and i was gonna play a clip but i i couldn't i didn't have time to cut it down so I, it, it's actually a pretty dang good presentation i gotta say like from yeah
1: we, we have a whole slew of episodes on the, we put out a new episode we basically turn the turn the shows into 30 minute episodes where myself and brian zane are kind of the hosts and cut to interviews and matches and whatnot. And there's, I think there's over 40, 45 episodes up on weekly episodes up on the Pal progress
0: and YouTube channel. If you wow. Check that out. Are those getting yeah. some pretty good attention too? Because I mean, that's got a, that reaches a wide audience at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're definitely growing. We're almost to the monetization point on our uh, YouTube page. So, I mean, ideally, eventually we'll get it on one of these local channels, you know, on, well,
0: real tv sure mm-hmm. if that still even exists everything's streaming now you know exactly but, but. Yep. so hey mr ulala thank you so much uh mm-hmm. and it was a pleasure to meet you and chat with you indeed yeah glad we finally got it done awesome now i'm going to end this with a song uh this is me patty rose with the song the look
2: that i want to make the look on your face makes it seem like you're angry, you're angry. I ever did was nothing you wanted. You wanted, you wanted. wanted. I kept to myself. I always was hidden. Was hidden. Was hidden, was hidden. I locked in my room. A convo forbidden, forbidden, forbidden. The look on your face makes it seem like you're scared of me. You're scared of me. The human race is embarrassing, embarrassing The reason we got here is selfishness, selfishness The only way out is togetherness, togetherness The only way we make the changes that we have to make is when millions of people come together.